I want to deviate a little bit today from because I know Pastor Cohen will continue on where he was preaching, uh, probably with the Magnificat next week. I don't know exactly what he's got in mind, so I'll deviate a little bit. Our text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 17, and maybe you'll catch on a little later why I chose this passage. So let's, let's share this together. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ... <clears throat> Even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Oh, be, be seated, please. And uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the, the privilege of, of sharing your word and for uh, us as a family being able to study your word together. Speak to us through your word today and bless our time together. And may most of all we bless and praise and just honor you in all that we do this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, a good many months ago, I, I came across a devotion probably back in March or April that meant a lot to me. Now, I read a devotion maybe every day, and you probably do, do often, and two or three days later, you don't remember what it said, although it spoke to you that day. You don't memorize every one of them. But I, this one, for some reason, particularly touched me, and you'll probably figure that out a little bit later. Uh, it was very encouraging to me. And then Pastor Cohen comes along a few weeks back, and he, he places a, a graphic or a slide on it's something he's encouraging all of us to do. And he said, every member with a ministry. And you see it up there. And I began to tie in my mind that, that encouraging devotion that I'd read that took me to this, this passage, by the way, with what Brother Cohen was, was sharing with us. And uh, it began to kind of develop something in my mind and in my thoughts. And I began to study a little more and write down things that I wanted to, didn't know I'd have a chance to share with anybody. But then the Lord led to this occasion with Cohen gone, and I thought, I'm going to share those with the folks today. And so another thing that really touched me that I think ties together a few weeks back when we were in Mark chapter 14, one of those passages in Scripture that I love so much, Cohen preached on, you know that plain village woman, I used to sing a song that was part of the words, and she she broke that alabaster box and spilled out a fragrance. And that fragrance filled the room. And Cohen preached a message on that. Uh, she knew she would be scorned. She knew she'd be ridiculed for that. She knew ahead of time she'd be in trouble. She didn't care. She did it because she loved Jesus that much. And uh, Cohen pointed out that day something that stuck with me that ties to all of this. She did what she could a ministry for everybody, every member with a ministry, she did 
what she could. And here's, remember this as we go along. How did they even, the people in the room, know that she just didn't, this wasn't water or something cheap or, or whatever? I'll tell you how they had to know because their senses, their nose told them there was an aroma, there was a fragrance that filled that room that in their mind they said, that's that expensive. We know what that is. That's that expensive stuff. It's a year's wages. No other way. That could have just been water or anything, but the fragrance filled that room, and they knew what it was, and they did scorn her and ridicule her. Why did she do it? For the love of the Lord. There's, there's tons of things we could look at in Scripture. One more, and then we'll kind of get on into our text. Um, the widow's offering back in Mark 12. She did what she could. Let me start with verse 41. This won't be on the screen, but you know the story. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, but a poor widow came, put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, and this is Jesus, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Would you say she did what she could? I would definitely say she did what she could. With that in mind, I want to point out to you something you already know. I think everybody in here probably knows it. We are created in God's image. And just as a reminder, if we were to go all, go all the way back to Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. And in doing so, I started looking through the scriptures and I saw how our senses, that we have five senses, you know. What are they? The sight, sense of hearing, sense of taste, sense of touch, sense of smell. That's the five. You study those in school probably. Uh, but we're created in God's image, and we see all through the Scripture where God operates with His people through, through our senses, through what we see, through what we hear. Uh, God blessed them, and God said to them, and God saw everything that He made. This is all in Genesis, chapter 2 in Genesis. Out of the ground the Lord made spring up every tree that is pleasant to the what? Sight. And good for what? Food, taste. Uh, Conversation in chapter 3 of Genesis. They heard, and God said, and he spoke, and he called to the man. And you know how it went back and forth there. Then the Lord said to the woman, there's conversation, there's what was seen, there's what was heard. Zechariah said, as I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. Seeing and hearing is just so much all throughout the scriptures. Taste. What about taste? I just shared one of those. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, Psalm 119, probably a familiar verse to you. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We could talk about touch, and I don't want to belabor all this, but I want to get my point across. Um, Even Satan knew that God's touch 
meant everything. He, he, to Job, he said, you know, he told the Lord, if you'll touch, if you'll just, you know, reach out your hand and touch all that he has, he'll, he'll curse you to your face. And the woman with the issue of blood, if she could just touch his garment. And how many times did Jesus heal by, by his touch? Have you ever felt like the Lord just touched you? Our senses are awakened because we're created in his image. Now, I want to get to um, the text today. I really mainly covered four of those, but we're going to look at one, the fifth one in our text. So let's go to the, the main text. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Troas... And, and, and Ephesus were close together. And I'll mention their locations and a little bit about some background here. But let me first say, look at what Paul writes, when I came to Troas. Now, Troas was a, a town on the coast north of Ephesus. This would be modern-day Turkey. Um, What's interesting to me here is Paul always had the same mission. Have you noticed that? What was his mission? He said, I came to Troas to what? Preach the gospel. It was always what Paul's intention is, what he set out to do wherever he went. He came to this city to preach the gospel. If you remember, probably the reason Paul left Ephesus, you remember Acts 19 where in Ephesus, Everybody got stirred up and the politicians and all the stuff was going on and it got violent and there was a riot and he's cutting into our money and he's going to got to quiet this guy and the riot broke out. Uh, sounded like Portland, Oregon or somewhere today, does it not? I mean, but this is nothing new under the sun. Man, sin's just been around. And, and so... Paul probably left and got out of Ephesus, and we know he did, went up to Troas. He's got this mission. And he says here, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, he did have an opportunity. He knew a door had opened to him, and he took that opportunity and no doubt was sharing the gospel, says here, up in Troas where he went. But here's something that's encouraging to me, not because this happened to Paul, but it says, it goes on to says in verse 13, Paul says, my spirit <clears throat> was not at rest. The apostle Paul, it wrote, what, half the New Testament probably? This man we think would never have a problem in the world. Be encouraged, Christian. Here's the apostle Paul. His spirit was sometimes not at rest. My spirit's not always at rest. Is yours? Paul's spirit was not at rest. Don't get down and out. Let's be, let's be encouraged. His spirit was not always at rest either. He goes on to talk about one of the reasons here. Probably there were more than one reason. He was burdened probably about the Corinthians. He had got word the Corinthian church had, there was a lot of false prophets, a lot of sin, a lot of stuff going on that really burdened his heart. But he went up there to meet up with uh, his brother Titus. Verse 13, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Now, 
There are actually four letters that we know about. Maybe there were more, but there are probably four letters that were written to the Corinthians. Two of them are in the canon of Scripture, First and Second Corinthians. But more than likely, Paul had sent another letter, and a lot of, a lot of scholars call it the severe letter, probably delivered by Titus to the Corinthians. And Paul was really anxious to hear, to meet up with Titus and to hear the effects of this letter and what was going on in Corinth. And he thought he'd meet up with him up in Troas, but he wasn't there. And after a time, that really, that really bothered Paul, and he decided he would move on. I think we should be encouraged, though, that he wasn't at rest. It did happens to everybody. But, let, but look, just look beyond here. Look at, the next, look at the next verses. Paul's writing along. Oh, I'm not at rest. But look at the change. Paul abruptly changes his attitude. He transitions to praise. He refocuses immediately on ministry. He, he begins to write. What does he say in verse 14? And this is probably going to be the main place I want us to look at today. He says in verse 14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Do you see our fifth sense in the word fragrance? Paul mentions the fragrance, aroma. He mentions that, that sense that we have four times right here in two verses. Um, how often does God, first of all, Paul's thankful, but how often does Christ lead us into triumph, into victory? Occasionally? Once in a while? Paul says always. Maybe not when we expect it, but sooner or later, we can see victory in Christ here. He always leads us that direction. We can depend on that. God's people ultimately win. That's a wonderful thing. This fragrance, what is, what is this fragrance? What's Paul saying here? What, what is the fragrance? It's the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. How is it spread? How does Paul say that fragrance is spread? Do you see it through, through us? It is through us. That's how this happens. I want you to look at something that I didn't know a lot about and I began to study he says a triumphal procession. Paul uses some imagery here that would have been really, really well known to the people. And I'll tell you why. Because there's a Roman ceremony called the triumph. This is just one of tons of graphics pictures you can find online. There are over 350 placed uh, ancient pieces of literature that mentioned over 350 different triumphs, parades they were. They were very lavish, very well known. When Paul wrote this, the people would have known all about that. This is a big deal in that day. I think a lot of our parades and a lot of things that we do, when we have our big parades, are taken from a lot of this. And... Uh, the leader, it would, a lot of times it would be to honor a military leader or honor the emperor. Someone would be honored. And they often would lead the parade. The person of honor would be the leader. Sometimes they would set up in a place. You've seen a, 
uh, a general or somebody sitting up and everybody parades by and it's to honor him and he's watching everything that goes by. This was a big deal and I didn't really realize there's artwork everywhere depicting this. There are arches. They built huge arches and they would carve in stone depictions of these parades. Right next to the Colosseum in Rome today, there's one that's been there a couple of thousand years. We've had the privilege of seeing it. One of the big arches there stands right outside the remains of the Colosseum in Rome. And there are several still standing. And that's what they were, these parades would go through those arches. And so I started studying, okay, why does Paul use the word fragrance? What is he trying to say here? And, he, and, and because these people knew exactly they could connect with what he was saying. And I learned that one of the things along the route, they, they would have incense. They would have censers with incense. They would walk along and carry it, these big balls and censers, or they'd have them on poles. I had a friend that, uh, some of you, I know several in our, in our audience have a Catholic background, and I had a dear friend of mine in school that was Catholic. And I wasn't saved, and he invited me one night to go to midnight mass. They have it on Christmas Eve at midnight at the Catholic Church here in Gadsden. And I, I went with him. And that was back in 68 or 9, Christmas Eve, a long time ago. <clears throat> There's two things I remember about that night. Is when they would go down to take their seat, they would stop at the end of the aisle and they would kneel and they would, they would do the cross and then they would take their seat. And I didn't want to be different from everybody else, so... I followed my friend, I went down, he kneeled, and I watched him, and when I got to the end of the row, I did the same thing, and I did that, not to look different from everybody else. Took my seat. The other thing I remember, though, is the priest that night had, um, I guess it was a censer, and it smoked, and it had a fragrance that filled the room. You could, you could detect that fragrance, you, you could smell that, and it filled the room. And they would do that, same thing, on a large scale at these processionals. The other thing they would do would be spread exotic flowers all over the, all over the ground, all over the pavement, the route. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe when the flower girl goes down at a wedding now, maybe we got that idea from this. I don't know. I'm just, just thinking here about that. But when the horse's hooves and the wagon wheels would go over those flowers and crush them, that's where the aroma came from. It obviously was a big deal for Paul to talk about. There's so much about this he could have written that went on, but he talked about the fragrance. And I, I read that the aroma just really filled the city, and it was pleasing. That was the thing that was pleasing to who was being honored. You know, there's another lesson, and not for today, but when a flower, one of our favorite uh, herbs, I guess it's an herb, rosemary. Is rosemary an herb? One of my favorite ones is rosemary. And when you, it's when you mash it and crush it. It's when, the, when you really smell it. And, you know, that's, that's another lesson, not time today, but sometimes when we're crushed, that's when God can really use us. That's when the aroma comes out. But that's another story. Paul holds on to two things here. God's sovereignty and promised victory. 
He hangs on to that. He always hangs on to that, but he does it here. Paul says, you know, he, he detect, I detect him saying, look, it's a privilege for we have an opportunity to spread the good news. A lot of scholars say Paul, a lot of times they would have a, somebody they conquered. The general would conquer somebody and they would actually bring the spoils of victory in and they would bring people, prisoners that they had captured and they would lead them along the processional and actually sacrifice them at the end of the route. Paul probably realized, I'm a slave to Christ. I'll follow along in this processional. I'll, I'll go right up here. I'm honoring him. I want to please him. That's probably, no doubt, where Paul stood. You know, Paul over in Romans 10, 14, he always said, what a privilege it is. It's a privilege. He said, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It, listen, it was the knowledge of Christ that's, that was the sweet fragrance. That is the sweet fragrance that they were learning. I won't belabor this. I want to move on and share a couple of things with you before we go. Let's look at verse uh, 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is the fragrance? We are. First of all, to please who? God. And then, hopefully, in doing so, we'll be pleasing to those around us. We'll have a sweet aroma. We'll, we'll be able to, to share in the knowledge of Christ through a sweet aroma by what we do, by what we say, by where we go, by how we act or how we react. And that's the whole point. Listen, we see in the scripture here, not everybody responds to the fragrance the same way. They do not. He says, some will be saved and some of these will perish because everybody's going to respond differently. And I don't want us to be discouraged there either. We need to realize this is always going to be true. Regardless of what we do or how nice we are or whatever we do, we're going to have rejection. There are going to be people that reject the message. And we've got to realize this, that, that, that it's, it's twofold and there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground here. So what we need to do is realize that very last part of verse 16. He asked a question. You see that? Who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? Paul asked a question. A little bit later in chapter 3, on, on a little further in his letter, let me share with you what Paul says. He answers this question. Verse 4 through 6 of the next chapter. And I, don't, I won't have it up there. Let me just share it with you. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. No, we're we not sufficient. We are not. He says that in verse 17. For we are not, and he goes on to say, like so many peddlers 
of God's Word. Now, don't get confused here to think, well, there's some peddlers there. They're peddling God's Word. They must be sharing, some other people sharing some good stuff. That is not what he's saying here. In fact, it's just the opposite of that. He says, we don't want to be like the majority. When he says like so many, he means really the majority. See, there were a lot of false teachers in Corinth. Well, they were philosophers, and the philosophers were full of human wisdom. That was their approach to everything. The peddlers, this, this comes from a Greek infinitive, the verb, which means uh, an infinitive verb is the word to something. The word T-O something, that's what an infinitive is. And this comes from the word, from the infinitive to corrupt, the word that's used here in place of peddlers. So what they were doing, they were selling inferior products as a, a genuine article. Have you ever run across something that looked supposed to be the real thing? And it's $3 and the real one costs $300. And it, oh, yeah, hey, okay. Especially around Christmas, that people peddles this stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But it's not the genuine article. Deception, it was, it was selling an inferior product. It was a cheap imitation of the day. The, the main two cheap imitations of that day were paganism and secondly, Jewish tradition. Now, tradition's not bad. I, I, we've got tradition. Don't y'all have some pretty good traditions? As long as they're based on the truth and, you know, there's just good traditions. But when, when tradition takes the place of Scripture and takes the place of truth and varies and is false, Jewish, and there was a lot of that in Jewish tradition, those were cheap in, imitations. And one thing for sure, and it's, it's noticeable in this verse, all of this doesn't escape God's sight. It's all in the sight of God. So what am I getting at here? What was Paul talking about with this imagery? this aroma. I really have to think about everything I do in my actions when I come across people. If it's at work, if it's in the store or wherever, I put off an aroma. And I'm not talking about have I worked out and I'm sweating and hadn't used my deodorant. Y'all know what I mean. What do I smell like spiritually and otherwise? Um, the loss of smell is not something you'd think is a big deal. Until COVID came along, we probably, most of us didn't think a lot about it. The loss of smell is, there's a term for it, it's called anosmia. But it's a serious thing. I didn't realize this until over a year ago, I lost mine and I still can't smell anything. Um, I didn't realize how hurtful and how harmful and how much I was going to struggle with that, and I have. I read the percentage, the small percentage of people that have lost their smell either permanently or long-term, a lot of them now have psychiatric problems. They're having to have treatment for depression. You feel isolated, all kinds of things, when you can't pick up a good aroma of something. And two great joys in people's lives are the sensations of smell and taste. Think about it. Grandma's cooking. Pam's cooking. I walk in the door, and oh, it's so good. The smell of it before you even think about eating. Freshly mown hay. I love the smell of freshly mown hay. Just the outdoors. Um, do y'all like to smell honeysuckle in the spring? It brings back memories to me from childhood. 
There's certain things I smell that, that just, just means so much to me. And I can't smell those anymore. It keeps you from danger. If there's fire, if there's smoke, if there's a gas leak, we had that at our house, and I didn't know it. I couldn't smell it. We had to get the guy out there to, to, to work on the gas, and I, I, I wasn't aware because I couldn't smell what was going on. You know, animals, especially mammals, it's their protection. I mean, a deer, a deer is going to smell you a mile away. I don't care what you do. I, they use it. That's how they reproduce. That's how there's more animals in the world. It's all about smell. And, you know, this was what Paul was trying to stress, how important that fragrance was, Paul's imagery. And so I want to just real quickly, and, and I, want to, I want to be brief today, how have I, over the last few months, allowed this thing that's going on with the smell and these verses and all this apply in my daily life? I'm trying to make myself smell better to the people that I come across. I literally am. And it might be only one, one passing kindness. Maybe that's all the opportunity I get. Maybe something long-term. You know, it looks different for all of us, and, and it's different probably every day for you. Um, I read an article about a guy, an old school buddy of his, moved down to Texas, and they hadn't seen each other in years. And he got a chance to go down to a small rural town in Texas and visit him, and while he was there, they just hung out all day, and they, they went around town, and they took him to a restaurant, and he took him to a coffee shop where he hung out, and over to a buddy's house and different places, and everywhere he went with that guy, the people just dearly loved him. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he did this. Oh, when my mama was sick, yeah, oh, so he, he did this for us. He, boy, what a, this, what a wonderful friend you got here. He meant so much for our community. Everywhere he went. And one guy finally said to him, said, oh, yeah, said, you got a good friend here. said, he's just a sweet fragrance all over this town. Uh, another friend of mine was a pastor in North Georgia many, many years ago. Some of you know him, but uh, he liked to fish, and there was an old boy that lived in the county out there that was just mean as a snake, and he had a reputation everywhere he went. Nobody wanted to be around him. He was a tough guy, mean kind of fella, and so my pastor friend kind of got to know him a little bit, and he said, you want to go fishing? And he said, yeah, I'll go fishing. I want to go fishing with you. And they, they started fishing. He started going with this reprobate fishing on Saturday and get up and preach on Sunday. And some of the people just got all over it. What are you doing hanging out with this? Don't you know this guy? Don't you know this guy? And I thought, of course, I, I'm sure he probably told them, now, wait a minute, who did Jesus hang out with? I mean, but there were a couple of people in his congregation thought, you don't need to be hanging out with this guy. And he kept going fishing with him. He kept being his friend until he won him to Jesus. He didn't preach him a sermon. He just went fishing. He was really fishing for men, uh, literally. Um, I could go on and on. The, the pastor of North Glencoe today that's probably preaching right now, his dad, pastor's dad, we've known his family many, many years, I had an old preacher, we called him Brother Bill. 
And old brother Bill went over to this pastor's dad's house probably every week to see him, how you doing, knock on his door, can I do anything for you, tell him about Jesus. For 10 years, he told me. He did that for 10 years and finally won him to the Lord. And then that guy's son is pastor of one of our sister churches here across town today, this very day, and probably preaching right now. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying there's all kind of opportunities. There's all kind of things out there. I, I, I see a guy with a sign over here in the tower. Saw him this past week. Standing out by Jack's. And I don't know that we should do this or not. And I'm guilty about wanting to judge. Like, why? He needs to spend his time doing something else. I mean, couldn't he? But it says Jesus is coming again on the sign he had this week. And I've seen him before and other people too. And I thought, well, you know, I don't know if that's what he ought to be doing or not, but I don't need to be judging that because everybody, there's a lot of traffic on that road. Everybody that drove by there saw a sign that said Jesus is coming, coming again. And at least had to think about that. Maybe God, maybe, maybe he's not thinking just right in his mind. I don't know. But I know he's standing out there holding a sign about Jesus. Right or wrong, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, those th- kinds of things. I'm trying to get myself thinking a little differently about the fragrance, about what I give off when I go places. Be kinder, be, you know, do things a little bit differently. And I, I've really been, this, this worked on me because I know I'm not very good about this kind of stuff. But I think, you know, what Cohen is trying to impress on us is not that we don't share the gospel, yes, not that we don't get involved in if our church has a program or something. Absolutely. But there's so many other things because we're so gifted, so different, that, that really might make a real difference, and I'm trying to improve on myself. Uh, a lady in a store. I wouldn't have done this two or three years ago. A lady in a store at Food City, Albertville. I ran over to get some stuff during lunch one day about three weeks ago. She had her two-year-old up in... Uh, in the basket, you know, they got the legs where the kids can sit in there. And she had bought her a little fruit cup to let her eat while mommy was shopping and all that. And she had a buggy full of stuff. And the little girl dropped the fruit cup. Here it went and upside down and little pieces of fruit went all over the floor. Juice and fruit everywhere, right in the aisle. Mother was frantic. The girl's crying. She's screaming. And so... I just, I said, you know what? Paper towels over there. They got a place you can sit down and eat, a few little tables and all. The deli was right there. I said, I got it. Going about your shopping, don't worry about a thing. Grabbed that paper towel, cleaned up the floor, scraped all that fruit up and did all that stuff and got it up. And I, I, I didn't do the second thing I thought of, and I wished I had later. We'll just go buy her another. Hey, sweetie, I'll get you some. Don't worry. They got it right here. Get you another fruit. I don't know if her mother, maybe she didn't want her to have another one. I don't know. But I cleaned it up and let her go on. Now, two or three years ago, you know, maybe that's not a big deal. And I know it's not. And I'm not bragging on me because most of the time I wouldn't do that. But I just want to emphasize the little things that we do sometimes aren't so little. 
And I think Paul was saying, look, we're the ones that have a fragrance. You've got an opportunity. Take whatever opportunity the Lord gives you and use that. Four practical things, and we'll go. Now I'll start with a P. There's patience, privilege, priority, and perspective. These are for me, and maybe they'll help you. What can help me in a practical way to be a better fragrance for the Lord? Patience. I want to do everything in a hurry. I don't have time. I got to go. That's my nature. I know it is. It's not bad sometimes, but in, overall, it's not a good thing. Always in a hurry. Rush, rush, rush. On to the next thing. You know, I read in the, the parable about the soul, Luke 8. As for that in the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. <laughs> we can read about patience all through the scripture. I need to be more patient. If I would think that, I would react different in a lot of situations. If I just, oh, take my time. Privilege, as Paul has already pointed out. If I would think as I move along, I am blessed to have an opportunity to be a positive impact for Christ. I'm, that's really a blessing. It's a privilege for me to have that opportunity to be a positive impact for Jesus out in the world, at my job or in the grocery store or wherever I go. Thirdly, here's one priority. And by that I mean if I can learn to see things instead of just what's around me in the present, if I can somehow train myself every day, while I'm every day living out here, to think future, to think bigger than just, ooh, you know, right, what's happening right then, to think the future, not just the present. I, uh, have you heard this saying before? Uh, he or she is just too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Have you ever heard that? Have you heard that statement before? Have any of you heard that? I'm, probably everybody in here has. Um, I got thinking about that about a few months ago, and somebody made that statement to me a couple of years ago, and I, it, I thought about it a little bit, and they made it kind of in a derogatory way toward a toward a pastor, and I didn't appreciate it in, in that regard, and so I wrote. I, I, I'm bad to go. Something strikes me. I'll go type out something and write down some thoughts and I'll put that away. I've got papers everywhere. None of them mean anything to anybody but me. So I found, I got this paper out and started reading it again. Got my little notes. And it says, I've often heard a misguided soul make the following statement about someone or people in general. He or she is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And, okay. Then I found some stuff that C.S. Lewis had wrote, had written. And here's what he said. Let me share it with you. Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things that a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we leave the present world as it is, but if you read history you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world 
or just those who thought most about the next. He said it's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective, ineffective in this one. He also stated there are no ordinary people. You've never met a mere mortal. And so I wrote down below all of that. Every human contact has eternal consequences. Just to say, as I go about my daily life, if I could think a little bit more about uh, eternity in the light of what's going on around me, I think I would have a better fragrance to pass on. Um, the last one is uh, perspective. Just seeing things through God's eyes. You know, I, I want to look at things the way I see them. We have such a hard time loving other people unconditionally. God loves people unconditionally. The reason we have a hard time accepting God's unconditional love to us is because you and I put conditions on loving other people, do we not? If people don't look just like me or, you know, I don't agree with them or whatever, or if they'll do this for me, I'll like you better. Or, it's just we're people of condition and God loves us unconditionally. That makes it a little hard. But if we can see through God's eyes, it really, really makes a difference. So let me, uh, let me conclude uh, it's not any surprise to you. There, there are verses all through Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, about aroma and how pleasing that is to God. I've got a couple here. Leviticus 8, 28. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar with a burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. How many times have you read about the offerings in the Old Testament being an aroma that pleased the Lord. Ezekiel 16, 19, also my bread that I gave you. I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey. You set before them for a pleasing aroma, and so it was, declares the Lord. Final verse, some final verses. This is a very serious, these are tough to read. Matthew 25, the final judgment. But I think it concludes a lot about what Paul was writing and what I want us to see today. Verse 35. We got that up there, don't we, Wade? This one, I okay, you've got this one to look along. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You see all these different, this is just a, a, some examples of ways to minister right here even. And um, another, another thing that's kind of along that same line, have you heard the phrase, bloom where you're planted? 
Have you ever heard that? J.D., you know, heard that phrase? J.D. Okay. You went to Auburn, man. That's a, it's an agricultural school. Bloom where you're planted. They don't cover that down there? Okay. Um, maybe they do, and that's why they're not so good in football. I don't know. But, um, I, and I'm an Auburn fan. Don't, don't, I went to Auburn some, too, so don't, don't, don't get on me about that. But uh, Bloom where you're planted. Let me give you an example, and, and we, we're gone. Uh, <clears throat> out, along the, out along the pasture between me and my neighbor and he raised his cattle and all and it got grown up and hedges took over and it was just terrible and so Seth rented this machine and we got out there and he helped me he did most of it and cleaned all that up and, you know cleaned it all up and got rid of all the old brush and stuff but anyway right along the fence line there's this <clears throat> there's this one particular cedar tree that came up right, right on the property line where a bird, a bird plant, you know, birds will sit on fence posts and they do what they do and they plant trees, okay? Y'all get that now. J.D., you know that, right? All right. Uh, well, this cedar tree comes up and it's, and it's been there for years, but it's not really pretty, but it doesn't get mowed down because the, the mower, you know, the fence is in the way, so it's protected and it stays there and it grows and grows and grows. And for years, it's just, it's of no real value, though. It didn't, it's not pretty. What's it ever going to amount to? But it, it, that's where it was planted. But let me tell you this, and I hope, I hope that you'll get what I'm saying. It's the favorite spot when it's hot for the cows, and there's two donkeys, there's two twin donkeys. They look just like twins. They live over there. They come and will love to get under that tree. It's the favorite place they've come to. We've got turkeys, there might be 40 or 50 of them at a time. When they come along that fence row, there's one place they like to stop. It's their favorite spot, and not room for all of them. They'll almost fight over it. They want to get underneath that particular tree. It doesn't look like it's above any value, but it's blooming where it's planted. And it is serving a real purpose for a whole bunch of stuff. You get what I'm saying? All right, listen, it's, it's Christmas, and not only at Christmas, but especially at Christmas. Could, we not, could this not be our Christmas gift, a sweet fragrance? And I'm not talking about going to the store and buying perfume. It's something we can give to everybody. doesn't cost us anything. Could we, you know, I just want to be... Like Paul said here, and he emphasized that sweet fragrance as unto the Lord is serving him with it, whatever it is that we do. What was it on that slide that Pastor Cohen had? A ministry? Everyone has a ministry? Everyone with a ministry? Every member with a ministry, it says. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know all the time what it looks like for me. But I know that I need to be a sweet fragrance in this, in this regard. And, you know, maybe that's, uh, Pam and I don't share Christmas gifts anymore. We don't, uh, buy each other stuff and, and, but we do one thing. It's kind of a tradition, I guess. Uh, we go one place and I buy her some, this perfume once a year and it lasts all year. She makes it last all year. And by about this time it's out. And we'll go back to Birmingham and probably get some this coming week. But it's a sweet fragrance. Now, I can't smell it anymore. 
bud. It's a sweet fragrance. But we can do that without having to go to Saks Fifth Avenue or wherever you, you may want to go buy some. I'm just trying to learn in, in my daily, everyday life and learn from what Paul was saying for us to be here is to be a sweet fragrance. Every member has a ministry. It looks different for all of us. But it's something we can be in this Christmas season to everybody we come across. Maybe just a kind word. It may be to somebody you got to work with for 10 years. I don't know what that is for you. But I just want the Lord to use me in that way, and I hope that that'll be your prayer as well. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you, and I just pray you'd help each one of us. Uh, just take what, what you've given us, where you plant us, help us to, to bloom with a fragrance that honors you, that's sweet to those, that's sweet in a way that they rec people recognize Jesus uh, in, our, in us, in how we act and how we react. And uh, help us to search our hearts and find ways to minister in our community, in our church, and in our lost and dying world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.